Previously on Roll for Blank, we were in the, the undying lands, a very old and very long living place where everybody was live and very old and everything was overgrown and huge and crazy and it was a goofy ass episode. So this was <laughs> exciting. Here's what happened. Misky and Bumblesniff landed in that very, very old place and uh, Misky woke up and he had real eyes. And he could see stuff that he didn't understand. So it was weird because he was like, I don't know what things look like, but I'm seeing them all the time. And then for about 10 minutes of the episode, they just kept poking him in the eyes to see what <laughs> would happen. Flint seemed to have been lost uh, in the abyss, um, but they could sense that he seemed like he was doing okay. He was, he was alive anyway. Uh, so Misky and Bumblesniff went and talked to an old man who spoke very, very slowly, annoyingly slowly, to try to Can find out. That? Oh, you sure did. You were doing other stuff. But yeah, so this old man told them that the, uh, everyone in the place where they landed, the Undying Lands, is immortal, uh, but very old, and everybody doesn't like being old, so they were all trying to die, or they were trying to kill themselves, or they were just laying around kind of doing nothing. So Misky and Bumblesniff went to a shop and talked to the shopkeeper, who also spoke pretty slow, but less annoyingly so, found out from them that there's a lotion that used to get delivered to the Undying Lands that had stopped being delivered, and that was the thing that kept everybody young and motivated and happy. Uh, so that was one quest that they were assigned. They also ran into the Candy Corps, who had aged into their 20s, and uh, found out that they were looking for something called the Mirror of Dark, which allows them to reflect the abyss back upon itself so uh and and they also volunteered to help get this lotion um so the party with the candy core all went or well no they you guys ditched the candy core didn't you mm -hmm. yeah so they ditched the candy core because like nah no thanks because the candy core are also pretty annoying to listen to i i think <laughs> so then the party went to the reliquary below the library to find the mirror they fought a skeleton bumblesniff was visited by a handsome ghost who did uh, the famous scene from the film Ghost with her. And uh, then she escaped because she knocked down a love letter from the ghost's lady love. Misky found the chest with all the mirrors and tripped its trap. So he got blasted with fire damage, but he managed to get the chest out and up to the librarian who told them which mirror was the right one. Then the party with the candy core as oxen took uh, an unused cart out to get that lost lotion. Um, they found it in the uh, mired and disgusting uh, swampland to the east of the city. And uh, Bumblesniff decided to turn the swamp into hard ground. And that caused a group of Cajun gator men to pop up and attack. These Cajun gator men, who are also probably kind of annoying to listen to, uh, started fighting you guys. Bumblesniff blasted them with a, a lightning bolt. But then Misky was like, let's just be peaceful. So uh, the Gator Men decided to, he convinced the Gator Men to help them bring the lotion back to town. Um, then they gave the lotion out and everybody used it and became younger. Uh, the Gator Men used it too. And they turned into a girl pop group who started performing for everyone. So then the people in the Undying Lands just invited Misky and Bumblesniff to party. Uh, so Bumblesniff knocked Misky's new eyes out and he was able to see that the abyss was uh, in the middle of the party. And they chose to party, and after decades, they partied and partied and partied, and then they died. And they woke up in a land where everything was made completely of clouds. And here we are now. You are in a place composed entirely of clouds. Before you awaken, each of you find yourself in a dream that captures all the memories of your long, long lives lived in the undying lands. Misky, what happened to you? in your long, long life? Very gradually over the decades of partying and lotion and lotion and partying and lotion parties, Misky slowly eroded his own sense of self and has since moved on from a sense of self that there is no longer a Misky or what was Misky is, is no longer. And he, he's just a, eh, an entity formerly known as Misky. Okay. So Misky's dissociated from himself to some degree? <laughs> yes. Misky has very much dissociated from his, his body and his self. And has, in a, an equal mix of, you know, a healthy moving beyond ego, but an unhealthy is now searching for a new ego. 
so is is searching for a new earthly purpose. Okay, so it's kind of a, a Lego my ego sort of situation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what I imagine, what I imagine is that uh, after like maybe sixty years of partying, Misky uh, goes to the bathroom and he's just like tripping and he's drunk and he's like gazing at his uh, spectral version of himself in the mirror with his purple sight and just kind of looks at himself and doesn't recognize himself anymore or doesn't recognize his energy anymore and begins to question everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, who, who am I and we are you and we are this and somebody's a walrus. Yeah. I think it's Paul. I think Paul's yeah. the walrus. Yeah. Paul, Paul's the walrus. But we're, <laughs> we're in the walrus together is the core takeaway. We're all in walrus, walrus together. <laughs> yeah. We're walrus in it together. Something like uh, that. Yeah. E- yes. And the tangible takeaway is Misky spent a lot of time in practicing and better understanding shape-shifting spells and self-manipulation spells. Okay. In, in trying to discover his true self. Cool. Yeah, well, he be... gripped that green, if you will. <laughs> Gripping that green like Oscar the Grouch. Well, great. So for, for Bumblesniff, Bumblesniff, who is not present with you in the land of clouds, uh, she spent the last century partying hard without any sort of care or consideration and, and just kind of practicing the stuff she already knew. But most of the time she was just trying to avoid spending too much time with the candy core because as much as she enjoyed their admiration, she didn't want to be the focus of it that whole time. So yeah, so that's what happened to Bumblesniff. Now, here's the thing. Flint, unbeknownst to Misky and Bumblesniff, also dropped into the Undying Lands in a far off corner. And Flint spent some time searching for his lost friends, wandering the overgrown landscape, until he met a giant snapdragon, a huge flower that was so old and so large that it had become sentient. It, it was alive, it was thinking, it was talking. That flower's name was Snappy. <laughs> and it took Flint on as its apprentice, imparting the knowledge of the great flora into him. So Flint, what was that like? What did you, what did you learn from Snappy? What have you been up to? Flint, the first thing Flint learned was humility because it's not very often you get to be the apprentice to a previously <laughs> inanimate object. But, you know, he learned his place in the universe. And uh, I think it's a lot like the, uh, he spent a lot of time in a kind of Buddhist monk type situation where he spent time learning from this flower. And it started off being very much him fighting with this flower's difficult to understand advice and uh well snappy was fond of telling flint you have to get to the root of everything and he he did and snappy also said in your darkest times you you can't stop believing in yourself it's true Uh, you can't he said you know sometimes you'll be in difficult situations and it will be like pollen teeth uh Uh, finally, Flint came around, and it, it seemed that Snappy was n- not interested in giving him advice. And so, you know, Flint, you know, sat there for several days, and then finally turned to Snappy and said, uh, "A peony for your thoughts," <laughs> which uh, got a good chuckle out, out of Snappy. And Snappy <laughs> then jumped Snappy into said. the uh, advice giving category, and so he used a lot of the Petal fours. I'm trying to think of metaphor. That peta, metaphorals. I don't know. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Metaphorical. So anyway, yeah, he was very metaphorical. Above all else, Flint's stock is on the rise. That's right, and that that's because you know Snappy grew on him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I know what you're thinking. How was Snappy even able to talk to him? It's because all flowers have tulips. It's true. And so they can, they can speak. And everyone um, knows that lips are the only function required for speech. That's right. Yeah. We all yeah. know that. Yeah. Thanks I mean, for if, saying it, but I think we all knew it. Oh, no, I know. I just, I, I wanted for the, for the listener. So, yeah. So, and, and I assume so, during so, this time, Coper Minot is also like kind of cool with you guys spending time together. Well, the thing with Coper Minot, it gave 
her another chance to see a completely different life and learn that value. So for, for the longest time, she was learning the lesson that Flint wasn't just some puny human that was just kind of an, an, something pretty to have around. And similarly, she learned that about Snappy and, and plants. And so she, she also became more uh, patient, kind of like a, an older wizened, you know, 100-year-old dragon. She got the wisdom of a 100-year-old dragon, which was tough for, for her because as a copper dragon, she loved the puns. She loved all those jokes. Oh, yeah. And so she, she was deep into that. You know, even in the darkest times, she, she told jokes and she would always start them off with, I hope this will cheer you up. And it always did. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm done with those. But that's true. And I think (laughs) the biggest thing for Flint is I think he's going to be much more patient with some of the strange people we've encountered. And, you know, at one point he actually... He, he came across a flower during one of his hikes and, and maybe stepped on it or something and, and saw saw a little bit of Orpheus in that flower and laid it to rest and kind of had a moment for Orpheus, which he never actually did when Orpheus actually died. And so he had this, this moment of realization of, well, he was alive and he was a person. And so I think he grew a little bit through that. Oh, that's very sweet. Well, thanks. Orpheus the flower probably made an irritating sound when he got stepped on too. <laughs> Yep. Adventurers. Adventurers. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, Flint, you studied with, uh, with Snappy for, for a hundred years. And eventually, because you weren't from the Undying Lands, you died. And you also arrive in this place made entirely out of clouds. Uh, Misky, when you wake up, you notice that Flint is lying beside you, comfortably fluffing the cloudy ground and mumbling the sweet missives of a soon-ending dream. The first voice that the both of you hear is warm and soothing and says, Welcome, guests. How may the chorus serve? Spaketh your pleasure. Uh, Spaketh? You, you're, you are Spaketh? Spaketh your pleasure. You speak, and we will give you what you wish. We, we are, we are here. We are in... In uh, in cloudy cloudy bottom, cloudy. Oh, it's a flint! It's a flint and the and the little dragons. How how was your lotion sensory? Uh, and Flint wakes up and he says, "What are you, Misky? Go away! I was having a dream." And then he looks around and he says, "It was a very good dream." And then uh, kind of comes to, uh, and where can we see where the voice is coming from? You you can't. Although uh, when you look up you notice that there is a beam of sunlight breaking through the clouds above you. And it seems like the voice is coming from there. Misky, wow, my old friend. Feels like it's been a hundred years. Uh, How are you? Been, I, I'm well. I don't know who I am or where I am or who is Spaketh. Um, but but this, this, feels, this feels right. Um, do, do, who, where... Hmm. What is the question? Um, why? Why? Why is question? What is, do you know why? We know all. Well, Spaketh, I believe that was uh, addressed to me. And, we know uh, that. We just interrupt sometimes because we like to. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> we, do you have any uh, good jokes or I think some coffee because... My friend Misky over here is normally much more peppy and a little bit more spastic. So I think he's just feeling a little... Misky, do you still have your mug? Oh, uh, yes. I have, I have my smoke mug. And um, all of my belongings are belong to mug. And um, we, we are here with the Bumblesmith and the Gather people. And uh, something about an abyssal tendril and... Uh, lumen, lumen year. Um, uh, that's I, I remember... one light year. A <laughs> lumen year. <laughs> lumen year. <laughs> hey, oh. Uh, uh, and and I remember that we we had um we had specific things that we need to do to to further the abyssal plot. <laughs> and the last thing we had to do was die, which was difficult, but freeing. And now we're here 
talking to a glowing we? Yes. Yep. This this sounds right. Where where are we, great glowing we? You are in the after. We are chorus. Spaketh your desire. Um, I, I wasn't kidding about that coffee. If you guys, if you have some of that, I could <laughs> go for a cuppa. Uh, you get a you get a beautiful uh, sterling silver uh, setup with a fresh, perfect, perfect pot of coffee and cups for the both of you. Today's episode brought to you by Huckleberry Roasters out of Denver, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, that's right. By the time this comes out, I hope to see a check, guys. Come on. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so I sip the coffee. Oh my gosh, this is this is the best thing I've ever had. Roll a d20. All right. It's been so long. What's a d20? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, nice. Critical fail. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, the, the coffee is perfect, but you don't feel like you got anything special out of it. Miski, are you oh, drinking the coffee? Oh, I broke my tongue. Uh, yeah, of course. Okay. Roll a d20. That's a 15. Okay. So you drank this coffee and you feel that you have gained inspiration. If you already have inspiration, you have uh, two or you wow. have one more than you had. This, is this, this liquid, this, this is always supposed to be in, in this cup. This is, this is fantastic. I, sh- I, I spent a lifetime pursuing wrong beverage. <laughs> we make the best around. We are <laughs> chorus. And this is you the guys after. did it for a best coffee, <laughs> the best cup of coffee, yay! <laughs> hey, Chorus, have you thought about opening up a diner in New York City? We already have. We've opened one thousands of times. Each one has been incredibly successful throughout all of time. Oh, can we ask you for more things? Yes, spaketh your desire. Uh. So I turned to Miski and I, I, you know, I turned to him and I go, I wonder if this is a Captain Kirk defeat the robot situation, or if this is more of a, we could get a super powerful weapon. So I, I try first for the super powerful weapon. I ask for a, a weapon that can defeat the abyss. Bing. The mirror of dark in Miski's satchel floats out of it and into your hand. Here is your oh. weapon. A mirror, huh? huh. Hey, did I forgot I had it. That's neat. That's what it was for this whole time? It is a weapon to defeat the abyss. Yes. In case that wasn't how? clear before. <laughs> <laughs> how does uh, one use such a mirror? Is it just like a hold it up and they are disappointed that they look the way they do? Or... You can use this weapon for defense. If you would like further clarity, we can provide it in more detail. Uh, uh, Miski, how are you feeling about this? Do you think we need Ooh. more clarity? Uh, no, no, I, I, I think I want, I want to turn. Um, okay, glowing we. Um, we are chorus. Co- we, we're chorus. Um, I you are Miski, like, we are chorus. Uh, can, can I have, um, how do you say? Um, I'm looking for purpose? Yes. Yes, can you give purpose? We can't. We can give you access to the boss. The boss can provide you purpose. That's what the boss does. <laughs> uh, ho- okay, yes, no. Um, I'm fan of boss. Um, I mean, I, some have said that I was myself born to run. And uh, we, we, should, we should meet this boss, yes? Yes, yeah, if, when we go to meet this boss, like, should I call him Tony or Mr. Danza? Maybe will <laughs> Alyssa Milano be there? <laughs> Do you wish for Alyssa Milano to be there? Is that your desire? One more thing. Uh, can you make a thing that is too difficult to make for even yourself to make? I'd like one of those. We'll have to get back to you on that. But Alyssa Milano is now with the boss when you see him. Great. I hope it's adult Alyssa Milano. It sure is. We're not yes. creepy. We are <laughs> chorus. You know, it's like one of those things where if you have to say we're not creepy, 
Yeah, you might be creepy. We Sorry, thought folks. about that. You're right. <laughs> our actions speak louder than our words. So I would like to, I guess we, Miski, are you ready to go see the boss? Uh, yes. Yes, I'm, I'm ready. I have no, no desires for, for, I mean, yes, I will enjoy this coffee, but I have no other non-cloudly desires. Cl- yes, cloudly. Loudly? <laughs> loudly desired, yes. Very no. well. Ooh, one more thing. Yes. I would like a, I would like uh, to, to have uh, a, a button that I can press or some sort of device where I can make someone say something nice to me. Bing! Yes. A, uh, a button appears. It is a, a large blue button. It just has a picture of a smiley face engraved on it with a gold leaf inside the engraving. And uh, it appears right in front of you, hovering in the air. Okay, so I grab that and immediately put that in my pocket. Okay. Uh, Did you push it while you were putting it in your pocket? Did I what? Did you push the button while you were putting it in your pocket? How about unintentionally? Like, my pocket's a little tight. You know, I'm hip. I'm wearing cool skinny jeans. And the the button got depressed. You're so good looking. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, button. Misky, I don't... I don't think we should waste this opportunity to ask for whatever we want. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I I will ask, but I I have no I have no need for things. What do do you have things that I can ask for for you? I want I want you be happy. Well, I guess at this point I've gotten used to your nudity. So I've, earlier I might have said clothing for you, but you know maybe maybe just are you ever cold? Do you want some like new uh, flip flops? Maybe. No. Okay. No, these have uh, worked in a way that these these shoes are now have become part of me. They yeah, are they, in, inseparable from from my soul. <laughs> <laughs> we have heard your conversation. Would you like us to make Misky's nudity unsettling again for you? Huh. Wait. So you can not only give us real things. You can also give us changes in perception. We are chorus. We can give you your desire. Huh. Yeah, I guess I don't desire the view of uh, Misky to be unsettling. Misky, is there uh, Ooh, can I share some of my burden with him? The burden of the dragon? Yes. I would like to commingle the dragon mind between my mind and his mind. And, and the dragon can fly back and forth. Then we as Chorus have a question for Misky. Are you wheeling? Uh, I know nobody's ever asked Misky if he is wheeling before. And yet, it is defining characteristic. <laughs> yes, yes of, of course Misky is wheeling. So it shall yeah. be. The dragon Copermanade now has a summer home in Misky's head. Enjoy joint custody. <laughs> Aw, Misky, you're a papa. <laughs> this is... This is what pride? This is pride? You definitely feel, uh, you feel a presence inside you that you have never felt before, and it is of this, this copper dragon who is, who is massive and powerful, and she has so much will to bring, basically to just kind of get revenge for the destruction of her family and of, of her life, and to protect the little dragon that Flint carries around. And that is now uh, imbued into your spirit and soul. And with that, the internal dialogue? Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably hearing everything in stereo, so both of you hear everything at once now. <laughs> which means you might actually hear each other's thoughts a little bit, which is complicated, but, you know, you guys, you guys have to decide how that works. I feel like it would be almost an echo of his thoughts, and my, he would hear almost an echo of my thoughts, so he could hear kind of... It'd be like if Coper Minad was talking on the telephone... You can sometimes hear what the person on the other line says, but mostly you just hear one side of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. like that. And you just hear a faint whisper of flower buds. <laughs> How did you know I keep whispering that to Cobra? <laughs> but I think, I think what's best for Flint is that now he's, well, before you know, his uh, compatriots were sharing the burden of protecting this little dragon, now that... Uh, you have Misky, who's also equally compelled to do it, not just wants to do it as a co-adventurer. So I think 
that burden lifts a little bit off of Flint and, and uh, binds him to Misty that way. Yeah, Flint, you feel, you definitely feel immediately lighter, lighter than you've really ever felt in your entire life. And yeah, I like the idea that you and Misky are bound a little bit more tightly now. Is that all the boss would like to see you now? Oh, one more thing. Yes. Oh, one whoopee cushion, please. Of course. <laughs> Bing! A whoopee cushion appears hovering in midair in front of you. Thank you. Um, that, that's all. Don't tell, don't tell anyone I have this. We wouldn't dream of it. We are chorus. Goodbye. Okay. To Tony Danza <laughs> and Bruce. Uh, you are bathed immediately in blinding light. And uh, you, when, when your vision returns, and, and both of you are blinded by this, even though Miski can't technically see light on the traditional spectrum. But when your vision returns, uh, you find yourself in a, in a sort of throne room of sorts, but there's just a huge desk. Um, and then there are three uh, archangels who are wearing heavy armor with just completely lily-white wings that are uh, big and strong and eagle-like. Um, they are standing on, also on the sides and behind this desk. And uh, behind the desk, you see a, a ethereal, light-bathed older person who seems to shift between genders. You can't quite tell. Sometimes it's a, a guy with a beard, sometimes a, a, a wizened woman. And this, this person, this, this creature, says, Oh, so you made it here. It's not usually something someone does before their time. I'd expect you to know most of all, Misky, seeing what you can see. Well, in any case, here you are. Suppose I might as well tell you the secret of existence up front so you don't waste the next few minutes asking me like that one boring naked couple. So here it is. Wait, and- uh, can we have a seat? <laughs> We sit down. I mean, I feel like this is going to really floor us, like have a strong effect on us. I feel like this would be a moment when someone would normally say, you better sit down for this. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, here and uh, and the boss manifests two very plush armchairs right underneath you and you sort of plop right into them and begins to explain the meaning of existence to you when suddenly... Wait, a whole. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Before we sit down, uh, I would like to do a stealth check. Okay, great. I would like to slide the whoopee cushion under Misky before he sits down. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Misky, what's your what's your perception? Um, uh, twelve. Okay, B to twelve. Uh, twenty-four. Okay, yeah, yeah. You uh, you slide that whoopee cushion under Misky, and right when Misky plops down. <laughs> Misky, we're in the presence of the chorus's boss. Uh, <laughs> Misky is just completely entranced. Uh, has no reaction to it, the the whoopee cushion. Any of the interruptions uh, is just overwhelmed um, by just a sensory overload of sensing that this might be the the fulfillment of his purpose that he as close as he's ever been to understanding to to understanding a purpose and understanding a reason for being the uh the boss chuckles at the whoopee cushion gag and says oh good good one flint that was uh very clever of you you just keep getting more swift as as you get older we should all be so lucky and misky don't uh don't fall too too much in favor of believing that I know everything. I mean, I do. And uh, obviously, this is probably the coolest place anyone could ever end up. But this isn't the time or the place. I'll, I'll give you your perfect meaning later, I promise. You've got my word for it. Now, on to the meaning of existence, as I meant to talk to you about before. As the boss begins to speak, a commotion erupts among the clouds. And behind you one of the cloudy walls bursts open and six undead humans come crawling through one by one through this hole. Uh, roll initiative. Ah. Uh, initiative. Sixteen. Sixteen? Okay. Eighteen. Okay. All right. So one of these undead humans is ahead of you both and then the others will all be after you so this the first undead human is going to crawl and it's just gonna kind of walk up shamble up behind flint 
and it's going to claw you on the back, and uh, that's going to be uh, 17 to hit. That hits. Okay, and it's going to do six clawing damage, and now it is Flint's turn. Well, I reach into my pocket, and I pull out uh, that button, which has become, because of the effect it has on me, my holy symbol. Great. (laughs) And I press it, and I cast Turn Undead, uh, which each undead that can see or hear, I guess my holy symbol, normally it's me, but can see or hear my happy face holy symbol, within 30 feet must take a wisdom saving throw and get better than DC 16. Okay. So let's see. So I'm doing that for all six of them? Yeah. Okay. So uh, three of them succeed and three fail. So yeah, what happens? So three of them have to run away from you? Well, they can crawl, but they they have to use their turns to... Their next turn, they'll go their full speed away from me. And then, wait. If the creature fails its saving throw, it's turned for one minute or until it takes any damage. A turned creature must spend its turns trying to move as far away from you as it can and can't movingly will, willingly move to a space within 30 feet of you. Okay. It also can't take reactions. All it can do is try to escape. Great. And what did the button say when you pushed it? Uh, it said, Flint, that was really nice of you to uh, help your group out. Good job. All right. Very topical. I like that the button's topical. Great. So, yeah, three of the undead humans, including the one who clawed you, are now running away. <laughs> I love it. There's that button. <laughs> um, and now it's Misky's turn. Misky, what are you going to do? So, you got three so undead are, humans approaching, three that are, are going to be moving away. And it's just in, there's no other, like, building or walls. It's just um, an open, cloudy plain. Yeah, it's just kind of an open cloudy plane. They're sort of crawling through the floor uh, behind you where the clouds have been broken open. Are, are they all right next to each other? Um, yeah, because they're kind of all coming out in a group. So the first one that came out ran over and clawed Flint. Flint made that one turn away. And then two of the others that had come out have been turned away. So yeah, they're kind of just all bunched up kind of right so the, behind you guys. The three that are bunched up, I'm going to cast Force Cage on. Ooh, Okay. So there's a... Going to force him to collect some dinosaur skulls. (laughs) Yes. Force cage. (laughs) So there's a 20-foot square cage that appears in a location that I want, and they are unable to leave it through non-magical means. Okay. To me, this sounds like maybe Nicolas Cage is just sitting there on every side, just talking to them (laughs) and keeping them there. Force cage. Not the bees! Not the bees! Uh, great. Okay, so three of them are trapped in a force cage now. Uh, yeah, so that, that ends the battle. Um, yeah. The three that are running away crawl back through the cloud hole they came out of, and the three that are trapped in the cage are trapped in the cage. And the uh, Are they the making bo- any sounds? Are they? Can we tell what kind of undead? Are they humanoid? Are they zombie? Are they skeletons? Roll perception or investigation, I guess. Either one. I'm going to roll uh, look at zombie. Okay, that's a good one. And I rolled a three. Okay, you <laughs> so. look at the zombie, and you can tell that it's, it's a human, um, a recently dead human, and the zombie looks back at you, and it says, I'm supposed to be in there! And then it hisses and turns away. Hey, um, Mr. Dan, can we call you Mr. Danza, or... Uh, yeah, you can call me anything you want, I suppose. I, I don't really have a name or a face or a form. Um, it would be kind there, of patriarchal to assume that I'm a mister, but, uh, yeah. What, what, what do you, what do you got? Shoot. Well, are these guys your, your buddies? I, I guess we just kind of assumed they were attacking us, but, uh, given I feel now feel guilty for, uh, giving you a gender you didn't have, I, uh, should probably check in on whether these guys should be here at all. Oh, I mean, for one, I, I forgive you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Here's the thing. And I, and I have to say, I appreciate it. You both clearly have some serious chops because uh, you took care of those, uh, those undead humans pretty quickly. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, something's going wrong where humans that aren't supposed to be here keep uh, trying to get in. And I, I can't quite figure out how to fix it myself. I'm not sure if someone else is behind it. They'd almost have to be because if I was behind it, I would know because I know everything. But I would also know if they were behind it. But for some reason, I don't. So they're not your buddy. I mean, Uh, every 
everyone's my buddy in a in a way but uh these these folks keep uh, disrupting the eternal peace that we've got going on around here and you know it's really more for the guests than anything i don't care they can walk around all they like but i just don't want the guests to get bummed out uh you you see guests uh are we guests well yeah i mean you are uh you're special guests like i said you're you're here before your time so we had to make a a little revision to your reservations but you're definitely guests of ours. Uh, but these, uh, these uh, zombie, zom- zombie hooligans, not guests? No, they, uh, they're not even in the registry. They're not in the book. I don't know why hmm. they're up here. They're not supposed to be. Hmm. Oh, okay. Um, give, me, give me one second. Just, 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 you know, just, just one more thing. I learned that from old friends. It's, uh, <laughs> it just it makes me laugh. Um, Miski's gonna go go and cast Speak with the Dead to one of the zombies in the cage. Okay, do it. Does, does the zombie have to do anything, or can you just speak uh, with them? If the zombie is not willing, I don't know. Something would happen. It's probably got some sort of role. Is the zombie willing? Yeah, the zombie's willing. I mean, it it, it okay. wants to communicate with someone. Okay, okay, zombie, zombie, zombie in books. Welcome to zombie books. Do you do you know where? Where we are? You you seem to be trying to get somewhere. Yeah, this is this is the after. I I'm supposed to be in there. I was a good person. I only sold the best insurance available. Hmm. I don't know why I'm not in there. Uh do you do you know where there is? Well it's it's the eternal peace and joy of the after. I I read the book, I went to the classes. I don't understand what I did wrong. You, you read, you read book? You, you can read? Of course. I, I read insurance claims all the time as an actuary. I, I, I had to. I even had to sometimes read people's policies aloud for them when they couldn't see or whatnot. Hmm. Uh, do you, how you, how you become zombie? Well, I, one night I was working late and I called my wife and I said, honey, uh, it's me. I got to work late again. I'm going to order a pizza and finish these claims. And then I, I think I ate all of the pizza and then I just sort of passed out and I, I never woke up there. I woke up, I woke up again in the, in the beyond. And I looked around and I said to myself, John, why the hell aren't you in the after? Oh, okay. Uh, this is good. We have names now. We have, we have name for beyond and we have name for after. Is there anyone else in beyond that was there with, uh, with your pizza party? I mean, not, they're not related to my pizza party, but there are, there are millions of other people in the beyond and they, and we all have the same question. I, I assume that when the, when the angel came down to talk to us and he, and he said that he was opening the door, that this was all on the up and up and I'm very upset. Uh, Miski, may I? Who the, you? No, you're Flint, not me. Uh, see, Miski, we'll have to work on. I thought after a hundred years you'd understand order of of words and that they have meaning. That would differ. You know, I I'll just jump in. Uh, Mister Miss Miss Zombie, uh, Sir Zombie, Mistress Zombie. What what's your name? Good person. Um, because you're sharing a mind, you can you can hear Miski's uh, speaking with the dead. And he says, it, it's, it's John. You just, just call me John. John. Uh, let's focus our attention on this angel of yours. Did said angel have a name? Uh, I think, I think he said a mem, a mem to something. That sounds, that sounds about right. I was, I was in the back of the group, but he, he, he appeared. He, he unfolded and, and spread his glorious wings. And he said, underserved of beyond follow me to to your salvation and then you know i i had been really bored of watching the same three episodes of big bang theory over and over again as they provide in the beyond and and eating the same tv dinner they provide so i said to myself john let's go check this out so you were in hell i don't know if i'd call Bad it news. hell i mean it was uh, it wasn't which great, episode of big but... bang theory uh, the one where they're all mean to each other and make broad stroke observations about intelligence and nerddom. Let me guess. Laugh track the whole time? Oh, y- you know what was weird is the, the entire Beyond had a laugh track. 
yeah, that sounds that sounds right. So so Agamemnon comes down to you and says, "Hey, group of uh, zombie people, we know you're enjoying this uh, episode, of Big Bang Theory." Then the audience laughed at him, and then <laughs> then he said. <laughs> Do you all want to come with me? I can free you. And one of the sassier people in the front said, going with you isn't freedom. And then laugh track. And then six of you went. Is that right? Oh, more, more than six of us went. It's, I, I don't know. Uh, there, there might be openings like this all over the place. I, this is just the path that I went down. That, okay. that angel was, was just kind of popping open gates wherever he could and, just telling people to go and, and take what was theirs. Okay. Well, uh, the universe is broken, Miski. I think we should just, uh, you know, either lean into it or really fight it. So I'll give you I, the this, call on that one. This, it seems like same choice. I mean, we, we go through the hole. We don't go through the hole. It, it feels like a uh, solution will present itself. It's from my experience, you, you talk to... You talk to enough zombies, and they they give you suggestions uh, that that re- will achieve some resolution within like our errand here. Uh, it's uh, so so. I feel I feel good. We I think we either go where zombies come from or where zombies going. And um, maybe maybe where zombies come from. You want to go? Do you want to go hit the hole? I feel like we should hit the hole. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, and I turn to Alyssa Milano and I say, our life was well lived together and I'll miss you, but we've got a job to do. Alyssa Milano looks at you. She gives you a little peck on the cheek and she says, vote blue in November. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. Miski, do you know about this color voting that's happening? Uh, yes, but I, I, I have friends very active on, in Twitterverse and it's, I think it has something to do with, with tweets. But uh, it's, it's less important now. <laughs> gotcha. So birds, uh, something with birds. So let's, uh, I guess, go down the zombie hole. I guess we go down the zombie hole. Unless, okay. uh, unless the, does the boss have any suggestions, <laughs> any, the, any guidance? The, the boss, boss person. The boss any... overhears your conversation because the boss knows everything and says, oh, a memnophile, huh? That's... That's interesting. I should have figured who else would cause this kind of trouble. Well, you know what? If you guys are up for it, hop on through that hole, check out the beyond, and let's see if you can't sort this mystery out for me. I'm going to hang out here with Alyssa Milano and my archangels. I think we're going to put on some, uh, some quality cinema, you know? Are you guys going to watch Bill and Ted uh, last tour? Yeah, we're planning on watching that. We've heard good things. We saw the Rotten Tomatoes gave it some some high marks. Oh wow! Then we're gonna do a palate Gosh. cleanser with Double Dragon, the movie that Alyssa Milano was in. Just you know, just to kind of get our silly on for an evening. You know how it is. I do, I do, because we all know immediately that Alyssa Milano was in Double Dragon. <laughs> I, I, I respect you. Must be a very powerful entity if you get. Bill and Ted face the music before a major motion picture release. Oh yeah, we, you, we've you, had it for months. You imagine to do whole Alyssa Milano bit without not one charmed joke. It's <laughs> I, I applaud you. This this uh, and fail. It doesn't matter. We're going whole. You're going whole now. Uh, okay. So <laughs> all right. I guess we jump down in the hole. Uh, as we're sliding down the clouds. I go, oh, wait, one more thing. And I say, can you just give us some of your magical lightning fingers or something, some sort like, of magical touch? Uh, you know what? I'm going to give you some divine inspiration. Both of you load up. It'll give you advantage in, in your future endeavors. Just loading up that inspiration. Just load it up. Can't be too inspired. You know what I'm saying, guys? Some of that divine inspo. Yeah. Divian. Uh, can we take a pee break before we go in the hole? You can. I think that's what the hole's for. <laughs> okay. So actually, I'm going to go back and do some retcon. Is that right? Yeah. So he actually ordered a cortado, not a coffee from the course. So. Oh, great. Okay, yeah. Just make, we'll make a note of that for the editing yeah. process. Well, that means that was also Miski's favorite. Let, let, me, let me give you some voiceover for that. Mmm, that's a yummy cortado. 
Mm, what a yummy cortado. <laughs> oh, a chorus cortado, just what I wanted. <laughs> so if uh, if you order one of these coffee drinks and it's uh, and the barista is just like obnoxious and won't do it, do you find them in contempt of cortado? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, Greg disappeared. <laughs> oh, sometimes, sometimes Nate just really knows his audience. That's right. Every once in a while, not on this podcast, but otherwise, yes. Uh. <laughs> uh, if I get it from uh, about forty feet away, it's a half cortado. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, uh, they make it by putting all of the beans into this little thing and push it down. They call that the full cortado press. Okay. 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 Yeah. We're getting thinner. Yep. Yeah. We're definitely. That's, we're definitely. Let's just go ahead and premise. take it to the hole. Yeah. So uh, you uh, you both uh, proceed through the hole in the clouds in the boss's office, and uh, it's it's like a really fun uh, sort of cloud water slide sort of thing. You just keep going and going and going for for it feels like a really long time, um, but you don't seem to like obviously you reach nine point eight meters per second squared, but you can't go any faster than that because you you can't. It's physics, and even in the the after or parts of the beyond, you you can't physics science people science but you keep going down this slide and you plop out uh in a place where it, basically there's nothing at all it's it's you're in you're in gray complete gray and you see hordes of these undead humans and some of them are wearing suits and ties some of them are dressed in renaissance clothing some of them are dressed in clothing you recognize from Luminera. Some of them are dressed in future clothing that you recognize from when you were in the future. And they're all just kind of milling around, talking to each other. They're complaining a little bit. Um, And then uh, when you look up, you see that uh, pretty much every aspect of the upper part of whatever the firmament is in this place is a screen. And it's just Big Bang Theory episodes playing. Uh, Multiple things. First off, I don't think... Anyone in the last 150 years has used the word permanent, permanent, except in a comedy show. So thank you, Nate. Oh, hey, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> second, I think wait is the is the comedy show our, thing because an astronomer's like uh, my telescope isn't as firmament as it used to be, but uh, <laughs> hey oh, I think so. Okay, uh, the, um, I, I I just think of like Genesis one of like. And he saw the firmament and he split from the firmament and between the two firmaments there was the, or between the two waters, there was firmament, firmament in the midst. And anyway, back to what the second point was, which I think you got physics wrong. Okay. <laughs> because you didn't account for any friction of the clouds and negative 9.8 meters per second per second is the acceleration, not the terminal velocity, which is what I think you were referring to. And so, uh, for all our science nerds out there, Nate, I think you owe everyone a Scientology apology. Okay, yeah. Um, l- listeners, look, we have a lot of fun here on this show, Wolf for <laughs> Blank, but uh, sometimes some pretty serious stuff falls through the cracks, and I want to say that I am very sorry for not understanding how uh, terminal velocity works and for confusing it with the acceleration of gravity. Uh, also, yes, I did not take into... Uh, into effect mu, the coefficient of friction, and I, I should have done that. So, uh, you know, let's just say that I'll try to be better later on. Uh, and uh, if, if I may, Flint, uh, I've made a lifetime of mistake trying to apply scientific logic to this particular existence. It's, a, it's, a, it's not good for anybody. It's a, it's a, they say, fool's errand. Just, uh, just hit the just hit the hole. Just like like you're going into Jean Malkovich. Just go in a hole. <laughs> you know, Misky, you used to be incomprehensible because you would say things out of order. <laughs> and now that you're saying them in order, I realize that wasn't the problem. <laughs> so thank you uh, for that clarity. Uh, and and to all our science listeners out there, if I got the science wrong, I am also sorry. And uh, Nate <laughs> is the one whose fault it is. Uh, the third thing I'd like to do is I feel like maybe Miski, we should uh, 
get a little bit disguised, kind of blend in, look like our uh, zombie peers. Okay. Uh, and Misky casts, oh, where did it go? Alter self. Uh, and I can do that at will now. Excellent. So, so I'm going to ch- change my appearance to um, look look like John John Madden. John, John Madden. Great. John Madden. Okay. So what I love about this is I say we should disguise ourselves. I imagine that Flint turns around and like starts like thieving pieces of clothing off of people and is working really hard and sweating and being really sly. And Misky's just like, okay. <laughs> he just looks like a zombie John Madden. And yeah, as you're, as you're rooting and as you're putting a costume together, Misky just turns to you and says, yeah, so the, uh, the important thing about a good disguise is that it makes you look like someone you're not. Boom! <laughs> and then I go, uh, wait a second. Is, what, is that the, the matrimonial momentum episode of uh, Big Bang Theory? Uh, 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 an older woman in this crowd of undead humans turns to you and says, yeah, it's that one again. Oh, yeah. wait. Getting married Flint? in Vegas. Flint is, it, Flint, is it you? Do you recognize me? And I uh, hold my finger over my upper lip and I say, no, this is not Flint. And uh, do I recognize her? You do. She looks just like Esmeralda Fantastico, Kenny's (laughs) grandma. Kenny's uh, melted grandma? Yeah. (laughs) Kenny's dead grandma who saw Kenny explode and then who disappeared when you were uh, meeting Stella Mechanique and dealing with the the wood spirits. and once I realize who it is, I go, oh, uh, as Esmeralda, uh, a couple of things. Sorry about exploding Kenny. Sorry you died. Also, Kenny's alive. Well, he was at some point in a timeline. We saw him. Oh, He's that's wonderful. King of the afterward, King of the Apocalypse. Oh, so, what a role. He's, he was, was born to it play it. fun, Flint. This, is it what you feel like when I recount things? <laughs> Uh, imagine more disjointedness, but yes. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm glad that Kenny's okay in, in the future, maybe, or playing a role about the future. Um, how are both of you dead too? You, you know, I don't think we should get into that as a, that, that question turns out is much more complicated, but... If you won't kill us, then yes, or no, but maybe if you're trying to kill us, then yes. Oh, oh, my stars, no, I wouldn't try to kill you. I, I'm curious because there's, there's this angel who keeps passing through here. He comes, he comes from down below, and he, he keeps riling people up and saying, oh, we're not supposed to be here. We deserve to be up there. And, and you know, personally, I... I do feel like I, I don't understand why I'm not uh, in the after, but, uh, you know, the beyond it makes sense. I, I read the book. I, I understand how these things can work. And uh, I don't know. It's just this, this rabble rouser keeps, keeps making everyone very upset. Well, can I, I don't mean to say you deserve what you get, but in your later years, when you'd go out and you'd, you know, try to get a table at the, the local restaurant, you used your age to do that, didn't you? <sighs> I mean, a I wasn't bit. perfect. I, I parked in a handicapped carriage spot now and again, and I showed up for the early bird dinner when maybe I wasn't quite old enough yet. But uh, these are hardly things deserving punishment. I, what I'm telling you is I'm not perfect, and that's okay. But and, what and concerns you, me is that all these people might him. not... Murdered? What? Isn't Kenny's death really on you? I don't, I don't know about that. It's, is, is the death of anyone visiting their grandmother on them? I guess maybe. When you put it like that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, most definitely. I mean, partially maybe evil nurses... Um, Purple goo. Yeah, there's, you know, yeah. we say, uh, what is phrase? Contributory negligence. That okay. is the phrase, Misky. But, but you know what? 
I, I believe Esmeralda that uh, we we met the boss, and oh, uh, that that must have been amazing. I would love to meet the boss. The boss was great. They love a good joke. They like whoopee cushions. So let me go ahead and give you this. This may help out. I give her my whoopee cushion. Um, she takes it and, and holds it over her head. Do 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 do. <laughs> she has a whoopee cushion now. Uh, so this uh um. A Memnephel? This yeah, is the yeah. angel? I, I believe that is his name, yes. He, he where, keeps where coming does, here. Where does he come from? He's, he's come from, from below, from below the beyond. And uh, yeah. I, I, I can only assume is it's from the dark place. Okay, I guess I meant more of a specific, like, 10 feet that way or 30 feet the other direction. Can you kind of just point us in the right way? Well, I haven't, I haven't seen him for, for quite some time now. And, and as you can see by looking around, there's just sort of an infinite void here, uh, save for the, the Big Bang Theory and other CBS sitcoms that play on a loop. Yes, I know. We all really want to get back to our favorite episode of Two Young Bro Sheldon. Two Broke uh, Girls is my favorite. Yes. Yes, it, it would be. So, there's, in, in the lifetimes that I have spent partying with lizards and actually fighting robots with your grandson is complicated. But uh, in, in lifetime, I, I've learned that nothing really matters and all characters come back in the end. So, I don't think we are where we think we are are. But maybe, maybe like the before is the same as the after, or maybe it's everything is before, after's beginning. It 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 will resolve itself. Maybe you know, maybe I maybe need more time to think about this. And Misky's just clearly entirely perplexed with uh, any sort of motivation to figure out what's going on. Okay. Yeah, and and Flint is also a little bit confused, and he looks up and he sees that the channel has uh, stayed on CBS, but uh, the the TV show has changed, and uh, all of a sudden Della Reese comes on, and he sees touched by an angel, and he gets an idea, uh, and he um, presses his. We, I think I need a name for my holy symbol. Any suggestions? Uh, Don Rickles, the nicest guy in show business. Don Rickles, I like that. But I can't do a Don Rickles voice, so... I'm a nice guy. That's all right. That's not bad. That shirt um, looks great on you. What about... Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm doing anything close to Don Rickles at this point. You're really uh, not, but that's no. okay. Uh, if we stick with CBS, I could go with a Reginald Val... <laughs> Bell Johnson. <laughs> okay. A little bit of family matters. Uh, but, hmm. I think that's ABC, though. Uh, according to my list of the best 1990s CBS shows I happen to be looking at. <laughs> hmm. Ooh, I could go with... Um, the scroll of best CBS 1990s shows. Yeah, number one was Everybody Loves Raymond. Was Ray who, What was the name of the guy who plays Raymond's brother? Um, oh, wait, I could do Raymond. Ro Ray Robert is the... Yeah, you could do Ray Romano. That works. Ah, Kermit the Frog. <laughs> right? I was, like I, I'm a sports writer. That's my Ray Romano. What do you think? Uh, it's, much more, uh, it's, Kerm <laughs> it's more Kermity than that. It is more Kermity. Uh, okay, so I, I guess the idea he had was that he would call out Amemnafel's name and press his button of Calvin button, Calvinism button. <laughs> his complimentary button. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I press my button of you look nice today. And I say, Amemnafel, show yourself. Okay. And uh, when, you, when you do this, a, a sort of fiery... A circle appears on the on the the ground of this this gray void where you stand, and and tons of undead humans scurry away from it. And then a a tower of flame shoots out, and rising with the tower of flame is this angel who hovers for a moment as the floor reseals, spreads his wings, and slowly lowers 
to the floorboard and says, Who beckons me? Roll for Blank features performances by Greg Corbin, Zimmy Joe, Jason Ling, Shannon Page, Corey Palencia, Eric Palencia, Rex Roberts, and me, Nate Regolia. I also wrote this RPG campaign. Theme music features public domain samples by Dan Lucas, Level Clearer, and Northern 87 via free sounds. If you like RPGs too, support their makers and get rolling.